It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It is, as the music denotes, a articles of news episode. Not to worry. I, I, you know, people have sent emails, contacted the culturalhall.com and said, hey, are you ever going to do interviews again? Yes. Yes. I'll get into a couple of ones that I actually have planned as we get into this episode a little bit, but I would be uh I would be a poor host, a bad person. Slap on the back of the hand if I did not introduce uh, today's uh, news co-host. Coming back for her second time in the Culture Hall, it's Megan Mitchell. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Richie. I'm so excited to be back. I um, have been anxiously sitting on my, by my phone waiting for your invitation <laughs> to come back to the Culture Hall. So, well, well, well uh, other uh, news co-hosts will teach you that that is a bad way to go because what will happen is, is I will say something like, let's do this. And you'll be like, yeah, I'm ready. And then I'll disappear. And then I'll come back like 10 days later and be like, hey, tomorrow or in like 45 minutes, could you do this? And then <laughs> they just recognize that that's how that works. So sorry about that. Welcome back. Thank you so much. So much. I'm really excited. Uh, it's it's New Year, uh, and sometimes we talk about kind of what's going on as far as life goes. Do you have a New Year's resolution or uh, a New Year's intention or a New Year's refocus uh, that you'd be willing to share and then give me a little bit of context around it? Absolutely. So I don't know that a resolution is the right phrasing for that. Um, I, I've tried the resolution thing lots of times in my life, and I end up feeling like a total failure because mm -hmm. like day three rolls around and I don't do the thing. And then I feel like a, you know, a miserable, awful person. Mm -hmm. So this year I'm just really trying down. I got right. I can do that. If I put that on my new year's resolution, man, I would knock that out year after year. Done. Just put it right at the top. Done. But I, I had a little bit of an epiphany in 2021 that I think a good place to come from is looking at the progress that I've made in the last year, maybe mm -hmm. I didn't have those intentions, but I did make really amazing progress in some aspects of my life. So I want to just continue doing that. Um, because I really, if I can hop on a soapbox for a second, like I said, resolutions, I think they set us up for failure and I don't think heavenly father wants that for his children. So I'm trying to go into it, looking at what I've done well and what I can continue to do well. And so with that in mind, the thing that I'm really working on or not working on, but trying to continue in 2022 is just the process of learning and growing. Um, 2021 was a huge year for learning and growth for me. I uh, I started my podcast. I um, start. I went back to school. Um, had a lot of other aspects in life that I was just learning exponentially. So I'm just trying to continue on in that trajectory. So uh, the the first thing that I'll say, and I know you just got tripped up in years, it's 2023. So I hope I'm Thank not you. the first one to tell you. That. <laughs> um, actually, that's the first time I've messed it up. So no, no, you know, no, I wrote it out the other day, and I went, "Really? Is it this year?" Um, I 100 so percent blame COVID for that mistake. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I blame COVID is 100%. everything. So let me ask you this. Absolutely. I have kind of two questions around what you just said, because it does seem like uh, in a day and an age that we're in now that like, you know, these resolutions are sort of stigmatized. And, and you mentioned, right, that, you know, God, our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to feel bad about ourselves or whatever. But I but I also think like God is like, hey, hey, pal, challenge yourself a little bit. And so sure. I wonder where the balance comes from, where we go. Yeah, you know, I don't want to shame myself. I don't want to be self-loathing. I don't want to because I mean, I I joke mm -hmm. around about that, but I am a hundred percent that. 
and where the balance comes in, where God's like, hey, but maybe a little harder, Megan. Maybe Absolutely. stretch it a little bit more. Where do you think that balance comes in? Um, I think it's it's going to be different for every person. Mm-hmm. So like in addition to me looking at like areas where I've progressed and where I want to keep that progression going, I also looked at the fact that I have never been super great about scripture study, for instance, or I'm not super on top of keeping up with come follow me. And so I really thought about ways that I could integrate that into my life and into my family's life in simple ways that I knew would not set me up for failure. So rather than saying, well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read the scriptures every single day without fail. And it's going to be 20 minutes or this many pages or whatever. I decided to go into the gospel library app and I set up like a study help or or like a study schedule where I can kind of pace it on my own. But I also know that like within six months, I can finish the entire book of Mormon. Right. So, um, it's not so much of a, of a hard and fast, you have to read every day, although it does give me like a daily reading assignment. I have it all laid out where if I miss today, I know exactly what that assignment is. So I can do them maybe both tomorrow, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And I know that I have made an effort Mm -hmm. and the Lord loves effort. And I feel like I am still in keeping with that desire to progress. So for instance, on Saturday, I didn't do the reading according to the study guide that I set up in the app. And, um, like I, I, it was my anniversary. Things were busy. I had homework. Anniversary. Thank you very much. 18 years. What? Um, and I, I, it just didn't happen, but then I was sitting in sacrament meeting yesterday and I was like, Oh, I didn't do my reading from yesterday. I could knock that out during the sacrament. And then then last night, you know, I did the the reading for Sunday. So I, I think it comes with, it's going to be different for every person where you find that balance. Because for some people, just the act of trying to stay on course is a huge, um, that's a huge accomplishment, you know, and then still allowing yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of flexibility, because I also believe that Heavenly Father understands that life happens. You know, he understands that things come up and there might be some obstacles that days, some days we're going to get through them and some days we're just not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. The other thing I wanted to ask you is you said you're, you're able to kind of look back and see the progress that you've made. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? Like on the daily, like, what did I do today that I used to do better? Or is it like a weekly thing that you set out a weekly intention and Sunday nights before I have the dread of Monday, I am able to look positively at it or is it journaling? Like, how do you particularly Megan Mitchell, look at where you're at to where you've been and and how are you able to connect to that? So in a variety of ways, actually. And I actually did a podcast episode about this a few weeks ago um, on the Little Lessons podcast. It's almost so like I'm setting you up to be able to talk about it. How 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 bizarre is that? How did that happen? It's, it's magic. Um, but yeah, I, I have, so I work out almost every single day usually between five and six days a week. But what I do is I write down all of my workouts and I have been doing this for probably two and a half years since like mid COVID Mm -hmm. where every single day I have like little notebooks and I write down, I'm doing bicep curls, this much weight, this many reps and sets and rest time. Right. And, um, so I've kept all of those workout journals. Um, and so I can look at my workout journal now and maybe have a day where I'm like, Oh man, I just did not lift very much. But then I go back and look two years ago at the same 
exercise. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've increased that by like 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like I've made progress. Um, but then with other aspects of life, um, for instance, like my podcast, it started off in, it was probably about a year ago when I think I first started communicating with you and setting up, you know, the classes that I would do with you. But I knew virtually nothing about podcasting. Um, you know, when I first went into it, other than I knew how to listen to them mm-hmm. um, and how to find them. And then I, you know, in December, I was able to look back and say, well, I went from knowing absolutely nothing to then meeting with Richie and getting all of this, you know, these different pieces to put together and then figuring out some stuff on my own and then getting to the point where I launched and A, B, C, D, and E to get me to the point I am now. And so I can see in that yearly, just that yearly process, how far I've come. And that's just in my mind. You know, I I just reflect in my mind and then I can kind of set up plans for the next few months of where I want to go from there. Um, I also, as silly as it sounds, Richie, I love to go back and look at things on like my posts on Facebook Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, that's an area where I needed improvement and I did it. You know, maybe it was feelings about a certain political issue or about something having to do with another hot button topic. I can say, you know what, I maybe thought this one particular way and then I uh, had an open mind and I looked into the issue a little bit further and now I maybe feel this way or maybe I feel the same, but I'm just more educated on it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Those are kind of the various ways. Yeah, I think that's a way that social media can actually be a positive. I mean, even if we're one of those people that does that sweet vague booking, which I have been uh, known to do a time or two, but where you just feel so like, you know, depleted or lost, or there's no way this could possibly work out. And when those things kind of pop up and you go, oh yeah, what was this? Oh, I don't even Mm -hmm. remember what this horrible thing was. And to be able to know that you made your way through it and, and can give that perspective to go, okay, well, maybe there'll be another horrible air quotes uh, thing again but that I'll find my way through it. So interesting. Right. Okay. Well, I uh, love the I, meme that says there's nobody that I have less in common with than the per than the me who posted on Facebook eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's because I like, I look at stuff like that, like uh, political issues or whatever, social issues. And I'm like, wow, I really thought that way. Mm, mm. I'm glad I kept an open mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of just uh, little bits of information, uh, little opening exercises information before we take a break and come back and do actual articles of news. Uh, I would encourage people to head over to wherever they're getting this episode of the Culture Hall. And if it if it allows you to leave a review, to take that moment and uh, leave a review. We got this a, a little bit ago, but I wanted to share this. Um, this is from Library Girl 36 who wrote this review and said, uh, the culture hall is respectful towards diversity of guests and topics. Richie himself is an excellent interviewer. He doesn't shy away from hard questions, but does it in a manner that is curious and not combative. I appreciate the willingness to seek out guests that have been suggested to him to be uh, by the listeners. So uh, that kind of segues into the next thing that I would say, which by the way, Go ahead and leave that review. You can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com, a refound effort as we go into 2023 to uh, not only have great and new um, interviews, but also to be able to listen to those. Those of you that listen to the show go, yeah, I know what fits in here. 
and then recommend those guests and be able to bring those folks into the show. I welcome that. And then this email, uh, this is a while back. And again, I I had intended to share this, but had not. Uh, A shout out to listener Jane Halstrom or Halstrom, depending. It's one of those things where I never know where the emphasis is. But uh, Jane shared our episode number 645 with a friend of hers uh, that was interested in um, French culture and France uh, and, and and then shared that correspondence with me and said, hey, you know what? I know you like France. I know you might like this church. I know you might like this episode here and then shared the link to that particular episode. That's a huge deal for us when you share the show Uh, with people maybe in your ward that don't even know that there's something like this that exists. I had just this last Sunday, another person in my ward who said, now, wait a minute, aren't you? And I went, oh, I hope that this is going to be a (laughs) thing at the end of this. And it ended up being, but, but people constantly finding the cultural hall, finding that it is a place that, uh, that resonates with them. So you are the key to being able to share that with other folks. So take that minute. If there's something that we say in this news episode or an interview that has impressed you, think about those that uh, that might benefit from hearing that and share that link or just share the show with them. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do actual articles of news. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. BestDJinUtah.com is the website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer, and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do what we like to call actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. And by the way, special shout out to uh, Peter Brian Holt, too. I I can't remember who I was talking to. It was someone who listens to the Cultural Hall who saw his Christmas concert and was like, that will be now a yearly uh, family Christmas tradition to see Peter Brian Holt. And of course, Peter Brian Holt is the one who does all of the music 
here in the cultural hall uh, and has been such for almost 600 and some odd episodes. So thanks to Peter. Uh, I wanted to let you take the, uh, the first news article as we get into this. All right. So on the subject of New Year's resolutions, um, this is an article out of uh, LDS Living. Um, She talks about how we're always so keen to just scribble down all of the things that we've been doing wrong that we need to fix about ourselves. Um, Like I said, I have shifted myself away from that because I always set myself up for failure. And that's not a fun feeling to have. Um, But she, this art, uh, this author talks about how she was in a yoga class um, and they were in the meditation portion of uh, the class, which I don't know, Richie, have you ever tried yoga? Uh, I've done the hot yoga, the Bikram yoga. Uh, I'm not, okay. I'm not particularly bendy. I I enjoy the way I feel uh, afterwards, but I'm not particularly bendy. Um Yoga class sort of feels like those resolutions where everything is pointed out that is wrong with you. That's how right. yoga feels to me. I, I agree. And actually, I used to be a professional dancer and I'm still not bendy. So I hate <laughs> yoga. So I get it. Okay. Um, but they were in the the meditation portion of the class. And um, the teacher suggested that they should make a list of things that they were not going to change about themselves. Hmm. Um. Uh, it says she invited us to look inward and find attributes that we love and determine not to lose them. And I love that thought because like I said, I have taken to looking at my own personal progress and where I want to continue to get better. But I also think it's so important to just look at yourself and what you're awesome at, the things that you do so well and the things that you can confidently say, I'm good at this. And if I am going to change it, it's only going to be for the better. You know, I don't need to look at myself and all of the things that I need to take out of my life and, um, you know, get down on myself about. And I think we as a society and actually as members of the church Mm -hmm. in a constant quest for self-improvement to become that elusive perfection that we can never achieve, we spend way too much time looking at the things we're doing wrong. And so I think it can be so helpful and um, inspiring to look at the things you do well and the things that you don't want to change. I really love that. that. That's kind of a fun practice. Maybe that'll be something that I'll try and do. Uh, It's funny to me, and tell me if you notice this as well. Um, We, and especially in the last maybe decade or two decades, or maybe we've always done this, but it seems like uh, because there is that sort of traditional way of doing things within the church, um, when, whenever we get the opportunity or take the opportunity to do something sort of out of our own individual realm, it seems like that we really attach to it in a way. I'm not doing a very good job of describing this, but like, um, like when we look at how the, the Jewish people celebrate, um, Hanukkah, and then we take that practice into Hanukkah that we're like, oh my gosh, this eye-opening sort of thing, or like um, the Passover, if we do, you know, some of the things that that occur around the Passover, we're like, oh, I, you know, I always want to do that. And I just think it's so funny. It, to me, it's just like, well, yes, lots of people do lots of things and it, and it brings lots of great worth. And if you only do the same things always, 
it, it you know that there's a diminishing return of always doing that thing but if you keep yourself open and you try these different mm -hmm. things and allow yourself the opportunity to experience you know Christ from from an evangelicals perspective or a Methodist perspective you likely you won't agree with everything but that you will right. come away with a different perspective and and I sort of think that with like yoga and some of these eastern traditions as well it's like yeah there's a great way to find peace and truth right. and you know, mindfulness and wholefulness and all these things, if you just take the opportunity. And sometimes I think we're just so surprised by it. Like there may be something to this thing that they practiced right. for thousands of years. So I have two thoughts on that, what you just said. So almost every year, not every year, but I try to actually observe Lent mm -hmm. um, during that season after Fat Tuesday, you know, and I've come to understand, and I'm still working on it, that so much of um, like what we perceive Lent to be in, you know, the the Catholic tradition or other traditions that observe Lent is that it's all about punishing yourself and taking things away. Like, oh, I can't have ice cream for 40 days or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing that I have learned is that, yes, I might say I'm not going to eat ice cream for 40 days, but what can I replace that with? That's really good. That's going to connect me to Heavenly Father and to the Savior. And so mm -hmm. maybe that's increasing the amount of prayer, the time that I spent in prayer, you know, or what have you. And all of that to say, like, my husband and I have gotten into discussions where he's like, yeah, Lent is a really cool tradition, but like, why would you need to? We already fast once a month. We already like have our ways of connecting to Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, what, what's the harm? You know, what, what sure. bad comes from learning how to connect with heavenly father in a way that we're just not used to, you know? <laughs> and then when it comes to the meditation, a lot of people will look at like yoga meditation or or what have you, or that from the Eastern traditions and they're sitting in lotus position with their hands funny and they're saying these chants. And I'm like, well, maybe that is some element of meditation, you know, that the kind of the stereotypical, but how often do you just sit in the temple in the celestial room, just thinking and just trying to commune with heavenly father? Mm -hmm. How is that any different? You know, right. it's just we we look at a stereotypical presentation of it and think, well, that's not for me. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Think about when you've been sitting in sacrament meeting and you're thinking about, you know, the your repentance, you know, or you're thinking about what you can place on the altar for the savior. It's it's the same thing. You know, you're right. sitting in quiet and you're connecting to your higher power. So well, and I would argue that even being able to practice that outside of those places like sacrament meeting or the temple, like really being able to become good at clearing your mind and focusing on a thing, I think it can only help, right? When that when Absolutely. those thoughts are then geared towards your religious observance or practice or, you know, the things that that you need to repent for or the things that are going well or whatever those the, those, those contemplative times in the temple or in sacrament meeting or whatever, like having that practice that muscle of that practice further developed. Right. And, exactly. Heck yeah, let's do it. Uh, I got this news article. Uh, I thought that this was, uh, oh, whatever. It's from the Crony, uh, which is, if people don't know, the newspaper at the University of Utah. And I, oh, okay. I, ju I just thought that was, uh, that it was interesting. The way that we get news for articles of news is we have these, um, and I love this as an expletive. It's a news fetcher uh, that uh, 
it just gathers anything that's either LDS related or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related or Mormon related and sends emails and says, hey, this is what's trending or this is what's most clicks or this is most recent. So the Chronicle uh, has this article about the LDS plastic surgery craze. It's certainly uh, more geared towards women, I think, than men. Uh, but speaking as a woman in the uh, state of Utah, do you see a lot of plastic surgery um, or, or uh, put a different way, uh, emphasis or pressure to have plastic surgery? So, uh, Richie, this might surprise you, but I've had plastic surgery done. I'm not okay. going to get into what I've had okay. done, but um, that was my... Hey, I've had, I've had six children. I've lost almost 50 pounds. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to feel the way I want to, you know, mm -hmm. I, um, I have a lot of friends who have gone that route. And the thing that makes me, um, sad, not because I feel that like I have felt no pressure to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I felt zero pressure from my husband to have those procedures done, zero pressure from society to have those procedures done. I knew that there was doctors everywhere who could do that for me. You know, mm -hmm. that I, I see the billboards. I live right on the other side of the freeway from Draper, which is where a lot of the clinics are, you know. Um, it's it's sad to me that somebody would do something like that for their own personal uh, confidence level and then to be shamed for it. Sure. I don't think that that's fair um, at all because it's no different in my mind than somebody who gets their nails done every few weeks, goes and colors their hair, works out at the gym. You know, we all we all want to feel good about ourselves and our appearance. And if that looks like plastic surgery, then that's that person's choice. You know, yeah. um, I have it, it's obvious when you go to the gym who's had the work done and who hasn't. But also it's like we're at the gym. We're not there like looking, right. <laughs> you know, right. we're, we're not analyzing anybody. Uh, maybe some of the, maybe some of the creepy dudes are, and sure. I've had that happen, but say, you're a little naive to think that no one is looking, but I understood but, what you were getting. Yeah. At. Like what I meant is that like, as a female, I'm not looking at the other females that are at the gym going, Oh, those are fake, you mm -hmm. know, or mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> that's been, that's been pulled or, or twisted or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking. There have been creepy dudes who have said comments to me, but I think they would have made comments whether I was um, augmented or not, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's interesting to me that it is such a huge uh, cottage industry in Utah. It, mm -hmm. I've, I've never understood it, why it's so popular here, but I think it just falls into that, like, we, we want to continue getting better. We want to improve ourselves. And if that's what that looks like, then that's the method that we go through. Yeah, Does that it, make sense? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a, there. So this article kind of goes into a couple points of that. One is that Salt Lake City is second only to Miami as far as plastic surgeon per capita. Okay. So it we're we're second to Miami and ahead of Los Angeles. There are six mm -hmm. plastic surgeons for every one hundred thousand people in the state of Utah. Uh, this article. Uh, gets into a little bit of the uh, like uh, perfection, perfectionism, yeah. perfect purity culture, the idea that we have to be absolutely uh, everything. Um, and so, oh man, you got you got something out of line 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, well, boy, you got to get that fixed. That you, you got to be, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way, and that plastic uh, surgery is part of that. And then the article gets into how, uh, how not ironic, but maybe uh, double standardy we are that we're like plastic surgery is cool, but don't get a second piercing. Plastic surgery, you're right. fine, but don't you know? Don't put a tattoo on the body and goes into like how how difficult that is to split that hair and understand where it's like, well, yeah, it's a, you know, your body is your temple and your devotion to God. Don't do it this way, but these ways are completely fine to be able to do it. And um yeah. you know, kind of per our conversation, uh plastic surgery is a thing for me that I I mean, it's not a thing that I'm going to do. I guess I should knock on wood. I don't think it's a thing that I'm going to do. Um, but it is a thing that my my attitude towards it has grown quite a bit. I I used to be extremely judgmental about people that would get plastic surgery um, just because I, first of all, it didn't impact me at all, right? I'm not a mom mm-hmm. who's had kids whose bodies get altered because of the production and then delivery of kids, right? So there's that part of it. Right. Um, but then there was just this sort of odd hard line that I would take where it's like, listen, God gave you the body, be grateful for it. So I just didn't, you know, I didn't understand. I've grown, mm-hmm. uh, the, the ideas around it have, have sort of shifted. I probably mm-hmm. still have a little bit of judgment in my heart that I could weed out for some types of plastic surgery. But, but, but it is fascinating to know that, you know, for some people, the reason why they do it is they feel like they have to to look a certain way so that their husband can be the stake president or so that they right. can, you know, so they have to show up in that particular way. And right. that to me is kind of the sad part of it. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of the discussion needs to be surrounded by um, the motives behind, like you said, why somebody would choose to have that work done. You know, I mm-hmm. it was interesting. I was in a follow-up appointment with my doctor it was like six weeks after I had had my, my surgery and he's a member of the church. Um, so he understands our value system and everything. And he made kind of an offhanded comment that he can always, he, he gets a good understanding of the motives behind why a woman would do these procedures based on who she comes to the appointments with. And she, he said that a lot of times he'll have a patient who comes in with, with her husband, boyfriend, fiance, whatever, her partner. And then when she comes for her follow-ups after she's accepted her new body and she sees her new, her new assets, she's there with somebody totally different. Mm. And he said that, that, that makes me, you know, that makes him really sad because that's not what it should be about. And it's unfortunate that there are people who would find themselves in that circumstance where they feel like they need to get the work done, they get the work done, they kick their partner to the curb because then they feel like they need somebody better or that they could get somebody better. And he said it's very gratifying to him when he sees a woman come in with her husband at the consult. They do all of the, you know, they go through the whole process. He sees her through surgery and helps her recover. And then he's there at her follow-up appointment. You know, he's like, that's how I know that the motives are, you know, good and intact. You know, and there are people who will say no motive is good. I disagree, but, but um, you know, it's it's an interesting conversation, and I don't know where the line should be drawn when in regards to the the piercings and the tattoos. But it is a weird hair to split, yeah, for sure, yeah. and, and super personal too, right? Right. Like, uh, and I think what began to change it, and I can't. I wish I could remember because I'm pretty sure it was here in the cultural hall. 
Um, cause you can, and people that are longtime listeners will know, well, wait a minute, Richie, this sounds awfully different from how you used to be as far as plastic surgery goes. But I was having a conversation with someone who, uh, who f- just felt really bad about how their body looked post children. Mm-hmm. And they were like, listen, I, you know, I'm not trying to, to grow things out or, you know, you know, all these different things that could be plastic surgery. She just said, I just want, I just want my body to to look kind of like it did before I had all these kids and, and and to not feel like disgusted when I see myself and you know maybe there's other things at play as far as that goes but that really was the shift for me where I was like okay yeah maybe there's there's some other parts of this that I don't understand and could open my mind up a little bit about it so sure. an interesting article nonetheless as to where we do that mm-hmm. uh you had something about uh the most famous arguably a uh, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, and certainly the most famous convert, I would I would argue, Gladys Knight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gladys Knight. Sister Gladys Knight was given the Kennedy Center honor, um, which I will admit, Richie, I don't know a ton about the Kennedy Center honors mm-hmm. other than it, it's uh, recognizing uh, artists of various um, uh, modalities for their contributions to the arts in America. Does that... Yeah. track for you. Yeah, that okay. tracks for me. So so uh she was honored alongside um other notable uh people such as Amy Grant, George Clooney, um a music conductor from mm, I'm going to get this wrong. A Latin American country. Tanya <laughs> uh Tanya Leon, I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah, I apologize. It. Perfect. And and the band U2. So um yeah, Sister Knight was honored by um President Joe Biden and his wife, the vice president and her husband. Um, uh, he said, uh, George Clooney, who is apparently a huge Gladys Knight fan, he said at the, they have a special dinner where all of the honorees receive their medallions. And he said, Gladys got up and sang. And, you know, just acapella started to sing. The only Jeez. thing that was terrible was that I had to follow. So there's 300 people in this room going, this is transcendent. And I'm like, this is horrible. I have to follow Gladys Knight. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a super, super high honor for for Sister Knight of um, Gladys Knight and the Pips, which she started with her brother and her cousins. Um, she is a seven-time Grammy Award winner. She grew up in Georgia. She started singing go- uh, gospel music as a little girl. And I every time I see her, I think she has got to be one of the most gorgeous women mm-hmm. to walk the planet. She's just so beautiful and so full of light. And I look at her and I'm like, well, darn it. I want to be her friend. You know, <laughs> she just seems so joyful. So, um, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool that uh, she got that honor. I'm not sure if any other members of the church have received it. Ooh, that's but that would be question. an interesting I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's got to be a, at least one as we look at it. But the highlight uh, for me, uh, probably mm-hmm. most famous uh, for Gladys Knight is the Midnight Train to Georgia, her song. Absolutely. Uh, during on that Midnight Train to Georgia. I, I can't believe I just sang on your podcast. Oh, that bring it. Bring it. I was ready <laughs> to back you up. Uh, will you but, be my pip, Richie? Yeah, I will be your pip, but we have to be very careful how we say that. <laughs> Your husband might get upset if he mishears that. Uh, so, um, oh, Richie, Sorry, come on, I got us all off track. <laughs> uh, 
So if if you get a chance to watch it, and we'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, Garth Brooks covers Midnight Train to Georgia, and it's super great, but also worth checking out. Um, when Garth Brooks was honored at the Kennedy Center in 2021, uh, Gladys Knight sings We Shall Be Free, the song that Garth Brooks wrote. And that is is so great. It is such a great so version of it. That's the crossover I never knew I needed in my life yeah. was Gladys Knight and Garth Brooks. So so amazing. So worth the check out there. Uh, let's do this. I thought this article was kind of uh, fascinating. It's talking about Roots Tech, which, by the way, you can now sign up for. Uh, it's March 2nd through the 4th. Uh, it is at the Salt Palace Convention Center in Utah. Lots of people come to Utah. Lots of people will register for this and get it online. Over 200 speakers uh, about... Um, some element of genealogy. Uh, and here's the deal. If if your eyes have already glossed over and you're like, what, wh- why do I care? There are some pretty great people talking about some pretty niche aspects of genealogy. So it's worth um, checking out. But it also talked about the family search and family tree app uh, and some of the things that have been um, changed or are growing. Uh, for example, in 2023, um, the the free records for like Democratic Republic of Congo, Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Luxembourg, Nicaragua, and Uganda are their focuses this year. So they um, will make more information and collections from those countries available. Along with that, Family Search has, pre- has been preserving oral genealogies from 18 African countries and um, using those oral genealogy interviews to build new family trees. So that's super cool. It's um, really cool. Uh, there is now uh, available for Chinese patrons. They, you're gonna ha- they're going to have the ability to create printable decorative tree designs from their family tree data. You know, you, when you wow. think about sort of Chinese culture and some of that stuff, you think about these big, elaborate, gorgeous uh, family trees as part of their home decorations. And so they, the right. the church and family search has leaned into that. So I think that's super cool. I, I hope that it's not just for uh, Chinese patrons, but it certainly mm-hmm. says it is for Chinese patrons. Um, and then there was one other thing that I wanted to share with this. Um, it is free if you do the online and under $100 if you decide to, to show up in person. Um, but you can register now. You can go to familysearch.org or rootstech.org to be able to register for that. Awesome. So I love a couple of things that you said about that. I it would be my under it would be would be my thought that preserving histories in um countries in Africa and some those areas that you mentioned, it's probably quite difficult. Um, yeah. because their history keeping is a lot different than what we would um typically expect. So I bet that's been a, a significant project for them to work on. Um, so that's really cool. And, um, so I used to live in China. I lived in Mm -hmm. China in 2004 and, um, anything that the church can do to make some sort of inroad into that country, I think is amazing. So if they're doing something to help, you know, uh, display their ancestry, I think that that is just such a good way of exposing more people of who have a Chinese heritage to the church, which is going to only help with any sort of efforts over there. So I yeah. think that's awesome. That's that's cool. Now, uh, 
news out of Rexburg. I'm excited about this story. Yeah. So a, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about this article that like, I'm like, yeah, this, the, this all makes sense to happen in Rexburg the way it did. Um, a, so at the Rexburg temple, a suspicious box was found outside the building. Um, but there was no threat to the community. So that was the the headline. And in my head, I hear suspicious box and I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm threatened. How does that not become a threat to the community? Mm-hmm. Turns out it was a box of road flares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, the theory is that it must have fallen out or off of somebody's car or trunk. And then somebody picked it up and thought that putting it next to the temple would somehow allow it to be found easier. I'm not yeah. sure that thought process. Um, but the police chief or the fire chief, um, the police chief, You've said if it had been an explosive device, it wasn't placed in an area that would have been very effective. Yeah. So somebody saw it, thought it was dynamite. Turns out it was road flares. So word, so word to the would-be bombers, uh, you you placed it wrong. You need to find a better place. Placed to, it wrong. You know, we can joke around about it because it was a box of road flares. It's crazy that stuff like this happens, and you do right. uh you do hope that like it fell off of someone's truck or out of someone's trunk and someone was just like, yeah, I'm going to put it here. So it's visible and that it's not some sort of malicious thing, but. Right. Right. I, but I, I also know. like, I look at it and I'm like, we we've been through a lot in the last 20 or so years in our, in America that may, maybe we should know better that we don't put a box of road flares next to a big notable building. You know, I mean, sure. it's like people who will send a, letter in the mail that has like powdered sugar in it and of course everybody's gonna mistake it for arsenic because yeah. that's what we do that's where we go in a post 9-11 world so i don't know a little less I, I, if it had though, been... the powdered sugar in an envelope than true. a box of road flares that might have fallen that's off of a truck or because i can't find any reason why i would ever put powdered sugar in an envelope at least not that i can think that's fair I'm That's fair. A justification for it. Oh, Maybe hey, I was writing a letter to my congressman. <laughs> I was writing a letter to my congressman while simultaneously baking. Yeah, you know, and yeah. the, okay, okay. It just ended up there. But <laughs> I mean, if I if I found a box of road flares, you know, and it, it's obviously a significantly sized box with enough road flares that somebody thought it was when they looked at, happened upon it, they thought it was dangerous. So if I found something like that, I'd be like, maybe I'll call the, the police from the side of the road where mm-hmm. I found it, as opposed mm-hmm. to picking it up and transporting it to this very obvious building, you know, right. or if right. I did feel comfortable handling it, I would probably take it directly to the police, not thinking to myself, well, maybe they'll find it at the temple and everything will be fine. Yeah. It's a weird thought process sure. that I, for somebody to go through in my opinion. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, yeah, if you don't know what it is, you maybe don't want to even touch it altogether that much. Right. Maybe you just kind of move it and then leave it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, a couple of quick stories. Um, the This last week, the church uh, announced, you know, every three years we get a third of our new mission presidents. Mm-hmm. And um, so they kind of cycle through, right? So they don't do it all at once. So we have all new mission presidents, but every year about 130 uh, mission presidents get called, and uh, one in particular uh, has gotten a lot of media attention. Uh, his name is Davis Smith. He's the CEO of Cotopaxi, or Cotopaxi, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, mm-hmm. He is stepping down as the CEO, and 
is headed to be the mission president of the Recife Brazil mission. Now, uh, he grew up at least a portion of his life in Brazil, and this has always been not necessarily his aspiration, but his intention to do uh, what God asks him to do and has considered this calling that very thing. So he, with his family, he's got kids, kids in school, school age kids. He's not much older than me, uh, but will be going for the next three years down to uh, Recife, Brazil and being able to be the mission president there. It says, I'm excited for this next phase in my career as the lifelong steward of Cotopaxi's uh, brand purpose and mission. I'm also going to be uh, creating the right conditions um, to pursue something of great importance in my personal life. So, um, there, the article talks a lot about if, cause if you're from Utah and certainly now in the United, in United States, you know, a lot about Cotopaxi, um, mm -hmm. most known for its colorful materials and, and its mission to be able to help people, um, with jobs that otherwise maybe not be able to do it, um, themselves, their motto gear for good has sort of been their adaptation and, and, and the gospel in motion as far as that. So he's going off to, to, to be a mission president. And um, at the top of this, I talked about that we will be doing more interviews and Davis Smith is one. I have spoken with him and he will step into the hall before he takes off on his mission. So I'm super to excited for that episode. Yeah. I, um, I have two Cotopaxi bags. One of them is my gym bag. I love, love their stuff and I love their brand and their mission. So I think that's, it's fitting. I've heard other podcasts with him on it. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, well, this all makes sense. Like it absolutely makes sense that he would be called to serve in this capacity. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and some people, obviously those that are outside of the church are like, you, you had a hundred million dollar company that's doubled in the last year. Why would you leave now? And he's like, well, it wasn't, it was no, it wasn't even a hard decision. It wasn't even a decision. Right. Once they called him, boom, I'm out. Uh, speaking of Brazil, also, this individual um, served his mission, uh, full-time mission in Brazil. His name is Sione Vicoso. I uh, hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he was a BYU offensive lineman and was killed in a construction accident in his hometown of Kailua, Hawaii, just recently. Um, he was part of a crew working on a 15-foot retaining wall outside of a Kailua home when it collapsed, trapping him and three other men who were transported in serious condition. Um, in a tweet that was posted Friday night, BYU football co head coach Kalani Sataki called the 22-year-old's passing heartbreaking. He played in one game during the past season after transferring from Arizona State during the summer, and um, they were looking forward to having him again this next season, but obviously won't now that he has passed. It's been a big deal for the BYU football program. So, um, you know, to the Vicoso family and uh, to those that that follow the BYU football team, that is def definitely a devastating blow. Um, in what could only be described as a um, complete turn from that story to the next story, I found this and I think it's absolutely fascinating. There is on TikTok. Are you much of a TikToker, Megan? Um, only if it pops up on Instagram or in an article that I'm reading already. Sure. I don't have the app. I don't use it at all. So there is uh, someone on TikTok. Uh, this is what this article is called. The headline is, I regret to inform you that TikTok found the worst Lego knockoffs. So, you know, Legos, you, you've got, you've got the, uh, you've got the, uh, 
you know, Legos and they're expensive. Legos for kids are expensive. Yeah, I've got some right here. I've got some right here. Oh, there you go. You're right. <laughs> Did you see those? Yeah. People need to be a Patreon site <laughs> yeah. if they're going to be able to see that. Patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Um, but Lego knockoffs, they're they're not new. They've been happening for years. I can't remember the ones that I had when I was a kid, but we weren't we weren't wealthy enough to be a Lego family. We had a I wish I could remember what they were called, but they didn't really fit together that well. Okay. They always came apart. So I was like, this are, these are garbage. Thanks, Mom, terrible. Dad. We could have just saved our money. Um, the TikTok goes into the uh, unfortunately named, and, and I'm learning things about our culture as I watch this TikTok, about Brickham Young. Brick. I've heard of them. <laughs> Brickham Young. You can get temple sets. Uh, and they say that the that these Lego sets or, you know, mock Lego sets, these Brickham Young sets, uh, there there are a few problems one uh, with them. One is they're a bit racist. Uh, two is the uh, the uh, term brick has uh, some new applications uh, within the Urban Dictionary. I'm not going to tell you. You can never look, look anything yourself. up on Urban Dictionary. Yes, ever, ever. Um, but but that it's just you know their problem with it is the name the the way that it perpetuates some terrible stereotypes for the church and and and, yeah. and they say the biggest problem is that they're actually selling so well and you know what's funny is that there's actually ways that if people wanted to attempt to make things like temples or book of mormon scenes mm-hmm. it's it's an amazing um one of the best general conference activities that I came up with for my kids is I collected all of our gray and white Legos that we already had. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, build a temple while we're listening to this session, you know? Oh. So there's ways that you can do this without having the knockoff cash grab, you know? Right. I don't know. It's it's always been interesting to me that it even exists, Brickham Young, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I can't, I mean, somebody saw had an idea and thought they could make some money off of it and they did, and they you have. know, but it's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just a weird thing to me. I don't know. Yeah. Any, any of that really, really, really in culture stuff, like, you know, the armies of Helaman t-shirts, the, right. uh, you know, some, of, some of that stuff, I, I just go, ah, I mean, I get it. And, and in a way, maybe the cultural hall is that very same thing. So you know, people are yelling in their, their <laughs> earphones, the, you know, the same thing. But I would, but I would argue there's a little bit different there. Yeah. Rick um, Young, you can find that article and, um, and tread cautiously as you go into that article right. in the show notes. Right, absolutely. Uh, what, what other stories do you have? I know you've got probably got what, one or two more? One or two. Let's see what we have time for. So this one was fun. Um, Out of the Washington Post, I have never, I've been to Washington, D.C., but I've never been to the temple. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen been to the temple in Washington, D.C.? I have not. Okay. So apparently there's an iconic bridge that crosses, um, or it's a train bridge that carries the trains across the beltway. And from one side of it, the temple is very prominent from in the skyline when you look at this bridge. So apparently um, about 50 years ago on this bridge where you could see the temple in the background, the words surrender Dorothy appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that apparently it was because of 
a couple of different reasons that this prank happened. There was a Catholic school nearby that was doing a production of The Wizard of Oz. Interesting. And they I thought didn't realize that. that. It, yeah, this is an interesting article. So they thought that the temple looked like Emerald City. Sure. The, these these girls, these are teenage girls who at a sleepover came up with this prank. They thought the temple looked like Emerald City. So across the bridge, they would put the words surrender Dorothy. They used wadded up newspaper and stuck it in the chain link um, as a, a prank advertisement for their school play. And it's funny because here in Utah, we have a tried and true tradition of people writing messages on the overpass, you know, the bridges, the footbridges over the, yeah, every uh, you know, time. welcome home elder. Yeah. You know, or I remember the one back at BYU that was Osama was jimmered. That was oh, when geez. Osama bin Laden was killed. Um, oh, you know, we if we're going to do something, we're going to do it right. Um, but since then, so the original appeared in 1974 and it was, um, like I said, Surrender Dorothy. And since then, several other messages have appeared. And every single time they t take a picture the temple is featured prominently right behind it. So um, there's been like punk rock bands that have uh, graffitied their names. Um, one that was um, during the Donald Trump administration said bridges, not walls with the temple mm -hmm. right there. Um, surrender Donald. I remember Donald. seeing it one time say uh, surrender Donald. Surrender someone Donald. Had, someone had done that at one point too. Right. And there's there's a new one, and I'm not going to get into the politics behind it, uh, but it says Hunter Hyden instead of Hunter Biden. Mm. So it's just funny because the temple is right there and the article leads off talking about the temple. And it's funny because it has nothing to do with the temple, really. No, <laughs> it's no. just. But it does look there, like so. Emerald City. The Washington really D. Does. Temple does look like. The Emerald City. It really does. Really does. So that was kind of a funny one. Uh, um, I, I have decided ahead. that if uh, if if uh, we were in proximity with one another, that uh, Dallas Jenkins and I would be friends. Sure. If people yeah. don't know who Dallas Jenkins is, he's the director of The Chosen. Uh, mm -hmm. We had him here in the cultural hall uh, way before any other media outlet had him, please and thank you. Episode 398, you can hear him as a portion of that episode. He's not even the whole uh, uh, episode, but uh, this was before, I think it was only season one had been put out and it was still in the model that like you would watch it and then you would donate so that other people could be able to watch it. Sure. Um, so people can go back and listen to this. Um there, there's an article that I really appreciate. He, he's a little snarky, and I, and I like my right. religion with a little bit of snark. Uh, maybe yeah, that's, we, we have that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's a little telling uh, of me and who I am. But um, in season three, if you're watching The Chosen, in I believe episode uh, three, there is a a moment where. Um, Jesus whispers into Lazarus's ear. Are you watching The Chosen? So I've only seen a few episodes. Okay. Um, I I keep trying to get my my husband on board, my family on board, and like none of them seem like they're. I, I think it's more that my husband doesn't want to add one more show to the rotation. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. even though it's good wholesome content, he's like, "Do we really need to add one more thing that we need to watch?" You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, context for for what uh, this whole thing is about. So Dallas Jenkins a little while ago uh, got in a little bit of hot water with other Christian folks 
because something that was in The Chosen sounded an awful lot like the Book of Mormon. And they came after him and said, hey, you know what? Are you are you saying things from, uh, you know, the Book of Mormon? Because a lot of people that he works with for The Chosen are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, sure. And, and so people are always wary that uh, when you have something like that and then you partner with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that we're going to take them in a different Christian way. I guess I understand that. I don't agree with it, but I guess I understand right. that people would be wary of it. So uh, a little bit ago, there was a thing that they thought he was teaching um, sort of Mormon doctrine through the chosen or that he had been Ill infiltrated or whatever. So that's the setup for this little bit of snark. Uh, Dallas Jenkins was asked, what is it that uh, Jesus whispers to Lazarus in that episode three of the third season. And he, within this press conference, uh, let me make sure that I get this exactly right, because I love, uh, he, he says, uh, so the most common question after episode three is, what did Jesus whisper to Lazarus? He says, I'll reveal the mystery in the comments. This is on his Facebook page. And then he said, this is what Jesus said to Lazarus. Quote, I'm about to quote the Book of Mormon. That's what he that's what he whispered to Lazarus within that episode. It's a joke. People right. uh globbed onto it and were like, oh my gosh, that's so funny because it's it's been a lot of the controversy that he's received. And then there's also people that are like, listen, if uh if you do anything from the Book of Mormon, be sure you do third Nephi. That of course, when <laughs> Christ comes to the people uh in America. Um, he then clarified and said. Uh, th no, that's not what Jesus whispered to Lazarus because there are those humorous people, humorless people that need to know that. Uh, but then he also said, and, and this is why I think that we'd be friends. Uh, Dallas Jenkins said, the chosen takes place in the first century. That said, I do think it'd be a great troll for me to have Jesus on the cross and look down and wink at Joseph Smith walking by. <laughs> and then goes on to say, quote, no, I'm I'm serious. Obviously, you don't think it would be cool for me to have Jesus wink at Joseph Smith, clarifying that he was making a joke. Because you know what? Humorless people go, oh, is, he, oh, right. oh, is this what he's going to? No. But that's why I think me and Dallas Jenkins would be friends. Well, and here's the thing that I... I think is awesome about Dallas Jenkins. So even though I haven't really watched the show, I follow the news about the show, The Chosen. Mm -hmm. So I've I've heard I've heard the jokes, I've heard the the accolades and and all of it, right? I love that he is the type of person that just doesn't have time for the nonsense. Mm -hmm. He's like you, you know, it's like I yes, he's he's obviously what fundamentalist Christian. I don't know his yeah, exact yeah, not sure. identity within something along those lines, but He's like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work with members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. I'm gonna work with, you know, all of these people because we're gonna put out a good story. And beyond that, like get over it, <laughs> you know? And I think that that's a really good, admirable quality. And honestly, it's probably a quality that us as members of the church could get a little bit more of, of just being like, look, I just don't have the time for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if you wanna have a, a good, compelling discussion about doctrine let's do it but like get over it you yeah. know i don't know that's kind of the impression that i get uh two other things about it you can watch the season three of the chosen now on byu tv you can get the byu tv app or uh check it out on byutv.org you can also just search 
The Chosen Season 3 and be able to watch it in multiple places online. And then the other thing, and this was most fascinating, I found out this about Dallas Jenkins this last week. Do you know who his father is? No idea. Jerry Jenkins, which you think, great, his dad's name's Jerry, no big deal to me. Uh, And maybe those within our faith wouldn't know this, but he is, uh, along with um, Tim LaHaye, writer of the Left Behind series. Oh, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, huge deal. Huge deal. Movies, books, the Left Behind series. So his dad was one of the writers of of that massive, massive series. Um, Very cool. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron? I was going to say that's a Kirk Cameron vehicle, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the movies, I think, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's the idea where, you know, people get sort of brought up, caught up to God, right? Is that That the rapture? Yeah, you come in, you just find the clothes neatly folded and go, where is my dad? Right, I was left behind, they did something wrong. Uh, What, do you have any other news stories? I've got one, one last one. So we had the, all right, let's, let's dive in. Um, I gotta, where is it? Okay. Um, So we had the. 2022 Tabernacle Choir Christmas concert this past mm-hmm. December, which was incredible. Did you went to it, right? I went to the music and the spoken word. So I went to the like gotcha. the Christmas concert light. Right. The abridged version. Yeah, the abridged, the abridged not two hours, not fighting everyone with the conference center so full that you can't breathe and you're afraid that yeah. It was right. it was Christmas concert light. I, um, my husband and I went to the actual concert and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when we've, we've had the opportunity to go to several of them and every year I'm like, well, that was my favorite one. Yep. And then I go to the next one. I'm like, well, that's my favorite one. This one like spoke to me in a different way. It was, mm-hmm. it was incredible. So, um, the musical artist was Leia Salonga, who is from Philippines mm-hmm. and, um, she was incredible. And I guess because of that connection, there were two influencers from the Philippines who came to cover the concert or Filipino social media influencers is what they are. Is that what I said? Anyway, um, Megan Young and Michael Diaz, um, they came to cover the, the opportunity. They came to see the concert and see Leia Salonga. They talked about how, um, this was actually on a podcast, the Church News podcast. Um, but they talked about how much they loved Salt Lake City. They had never been here before. That they are not members of the church, so it was their first exposure to. I don't know if it was their first exposure, but a very intimate exposure to the church. Um, and one thing that they pointed out is that as much as they loved seeing and hearing Leia Salonga, they really enjoyed Richard Elliott and his um, organ solo that he does, which. Every anybody who's ever been to one of those concerts knows that the Richard Elliott organ solo is like one of the highlights yeah. of the experience. Um, Former guest of the Cultural Hall, Richard that's Elliott, right. I'll point out. That's right. Um, so yeah, that was one of their big standouts. And they just really, really enjoyed having that opportunity to kick off their Christmas season and experience Salt Lake City in a way that a lot of people probably don't get to. Um, so yeah, it was a really good interview really good interview to hear their thoughts. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure it was really cool. Um, in the music and the spoken word, did they do the Filipino Christmas carol? Did they sing uh, that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I bet that was really, really special for them being Filipino to hear that, that song presented with such a monumental choir in, yeah. in such a venue. 
They do just such an amazing job. Uh, And people will be able to watch that, obviously, next year as it is made available. But you can watch last year's this year and just, Mm -hmm. just, just great. I love it. So, Uh, so good. I have a bunch of terrible news, but I'll just save that for the next time we do articles of news. We'll just do that. That's a little warning. uh, The next time we get together with news, there are some horrible things that have occurred that we have not shared. And rather than kind of sully this episode, we'll just tell everyone to anticipate a horrible articles of news the next time uh, that you see an articles of news in your feed, which means we are at the end. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. And if you're not able to listen this week, you'll be well enough to listen next week. And uh, that's normally the one that I do. So now I oh, now sorry. I forget. I've been doing this for so long. I can't remember uh, that, uh, that, uh, let's see, uh, bless the sugar out of this crap. We'll go there. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of, of the, cultural the cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back row.